Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Decibel Geek Podcast with Aaron Camaro and Chris Sinzak. Check, check, one, two, three, four, and now five. Oh yeah, welcome back to the Decibel Geek Podcast. My name is Aaron Camaro, joined as always by Chris Sinzak. And wow, man, what a week last week, huh? Yeah, yeah well, wow, yeah, it really was. I mean, um, if you're... Now listening to us for the second time, welcome aboard, because we uh, I think we got quite a few new listeners off the Albums Unleashed, uh, Alice Cooper's Dada. I think so. Albums Unleashed is a success. It is. It's a good idea. We, we need to do more. Yeah, and I've already had plenty of people suggesting albums. So, no, like, you got to do this one next and this I'm one sure. next. We, there's a million albums I'd oh, love yeah. to do. Yeah, there's a lot, and uh, we definitely have plans for more in the future, and uh, it was a lot of fun, and... You know, can't thank Dick Wagner enough for being so you know open and honest about everything that went down with that album. Sure. And, uh, the man who inspired Albums Unleashed himself. The pretty much. We, when we said, you know, what can we do to get Dick Wagner back on the show? And then that's how it all began. Yeah. You know, just wanting to hang out with Dick Wagner some more. It was a lot of fun. And, you know, we have a big show planned for you today. Um, but as I mentioned, um, last week we didn't have much time to do Geeks of the Week last week. And if you're unfamiliar with Geeks of the Week, what it is is basically every episode we do, um, we will put the link to it on Facebook and on Twitter yeah. and Facebook.com slash Decibel Geek and Twitter at Decibel Geek Pod. Um, when you go to those pages, you'll see the link for the new episode. All you got to do is share it on Facebook or retweet it on Twitter, and I will read your name in the next week's show. That's right. You, my friends, become geeks of the week. Yeah, so we make you famous. All right, so let's let's have it. You, oh got, you got two weeks in two. a row to cover for. Yeah, so two weeks ago we did the 420 episode, and um, <laughs> not, our, not our most popular episode and not a lot of shares and retweets, but I think that's also because people didn't want to incriminate themselves right. going, hey, check yeah. out a show about weed. I guess so. I, I so, see that. You yeah. Yeah, I was a little discriminant in my sharing of it as well. Yeah, I didn't want my mom seeing it. So. <laughs> no, <laughs> so maybe that wasn't the best idea. Yeah, so this will go quick for for that one. For Twitter, for Twitter was uh, Joe Delorge, Music Mags and Wax, Jason Wood, Jeff Corman, Josie and Belly, Viper and Paul Corn, and for Facebook, Dave Shirt, love that guy, uh-huh. and Miguel Nunez. So thank you to you guys. Okay, we know so, who's smoking. Yeah, <laughs> no, we didn't say that. <laughs> so uh, for. Uh, for the albums unleashed Dada episode, I gotta get a deep breath here. Nice. They had a few on Twitter. A few, on Twitter, we had uh, Joel Delorge, Steve Newton, Matt Severson, Phoenix Phil, Derek Novak, Steve Angulo, Billy Hale Hardaway, and Jason Broderick. Awesome, all right. love all them guys. Now on Facebook, oh, it really it really caught fire on Facebook. Well, there's a lot of Alice Cooper fans yeah. all over the world. So here we go. 
James North, Aaron Camaro shared it. I sure did. Robert DePasqua, Joel Hebensperger, Derek Novak, Andy LaFon, Cynthia Davis, David Shellebarger, Billy Hardaway, Joseph C.M. Belly, Katrina Edge Walker, Thomas Mukaji, Rodney Dixon, former Warmer. Love that name. Yeah, I like that. BraveWords.com shared it. Michelle Sinzak, not my wife, but my cousin. Oh. And let's not get into cousin-wife things about Tennessee. Okay. Shane Abair, Chris Karam, Dan Fisher, Dave Shirt, Rod Bluesy Hughes, Sarah Lutzi, Alex Cooper, David Harkness, The Rock is Culture, Eltos Peros, Heavy Rock, Mike Grabowski, Just, Justo Barreto, Greg Sweet, Remember the Coop, Tim Herigian, JTB's Groovy Record Room, <gasps> Shock Rock and Devil Ox, <laughs> Brent Walker, Doug Jackson, and Wally Norton. Wow. Wow! Nice. Yeah. Awesome. So, so thank you all, and uh, yeah, like, yeah. Let's make this funnier for me. Let's have even more people share this uh, Vinnie Vincent special. I enjoy because I'm sure a lot of them will. It's fun to sit here and watch you turn blue in the face I while know. you're doing it. I smoked for 21 years, guys. I don't have that much <laughs> lung power. <laughs> Jeez. But uh, so yeah. So thank you guys, and awesome. yeah. If you wanted to be Geek of the Week next week, just uh, share or retweet the this Vinnie Vincent episode and uh, spread the word. That's you guys are advertising. This is how we get the word. And this is how we build the listenership. Heck yeah. And another great way to get our attention and get your name mentioned on the show is to check us out on iTunes, which I know a lot of people download us on iTunes, but you got to hit up the rate, the rating system over there. You got to hit us on the ratings and give us a good one. You know, yeah. we just, we're not going to BS around. We want fives. We want all fives. I think we got all five so far, so we're doing pretty good. Yeah. Um, hit us up there. Give us a good review. If you love the talk with Dick Wagner, you know, go on there as an Alice Cooper fan and say how much you love the show and how much other Alice Cooper fans would enjoy it. Definitely. You know, if you enjoy Enjoy today's show. You know, let the other Kiss fans know. Because there's a lot of Kiss fans in the world, and they're out there listening to podcasts. They need to be checking out the Decibel Geek podcast. Yeah, and we uh, we have a lot we have a lot of fun doing it. We have a lot of stuff planned for you in the future. And uh, every week, every Monday or Sunday night, if you're really on your toes, you can usually get the new episode. Yeah. I've had a few people already asking really me, the when's case. the new Vinny show coming out? Is it tonight <laughs> or tomorrow? So, nice. So, yeah, it'll be tonight if you're uh, listening this Well, that's Sunday. the beautiful thing about podcasts. They can come out anytime, and you can listen to them anytime. Yeah, always available. And also, you go back into the archives, check Check out all the older episodes if you haven't checked those out. Just like today, they're all free. Yeah, all free. Um, okay, so Vinnie Vincent Special Part 5. It is 5-5-2014. Five, five, mm -hmm. This is the fifth installment. Just seemed to make sense. Nice. And, uh, okay, our guest for today, as you've probably already seen by the artwork, is a guy named Andre LaBelle. Andre is the drummer in a band called The Sky, who is also features Robert Fleischman, who we had on Part 3 of the Vinnie Vincent Special. That's right. And Andre has a history also with Vinnie Vincent. That's how he met Robert. Um, Vinnie Vincent, back around 89 through 92, was working on a, an album that never came out. And um, it was initially for Enigma Records, and it was going to be called Guitars from Hell. Right, I remember but that. But actually, as you'll hear in this discussion, it was going to be called another very familiar title that another band that Vinny was related to ended up using. Very cool it's stuff. It's a cool story. Things I didn't even know. Yeah, so, um, and I actually went to some super diehard Vinny Vincent fans to get questions for this, because I wanted to make sure we got some good questions for, for Andre, because this right. is a kind of an unknown period, because the album never comes out, and you're going to hear the story about why it didn't come out, and what was going on behind the scenes, what it was like to work for Vinnie Vincent during this time. Because remember, the invasion had already broken up very acrimoniously. Right. And um, slaughter had been formed. So this was kind of Vinnie trying to step back into the spotlight. And uh, Andre's got some interesting stories about equipment and about, you know, recording techniques that mm -hmm. Vinnie was doing. and he's Auditioning. Auditioning. And um, an interesting story about barbecuing some chicken. 
Yes. So, um, and um, but yeah, and as you as you heard on the intro music, and as you're going to hear for all the music throughout this show, this is all music featured on the Sky's new album, Majestic. It's their second full length album. Yeah. And you will find the link in the show notes to this show. We want you to buy this album because you know it's two guys that were related to Vinny Vincent. Vinny's not putting out new music, but these guys are. So let's support them. It's, yeah, it's the closest thing you're going to get, and it's damn good. It is. It's really good stuff. It's produced excellently. I was talking yeah. to Andre about that the other day. So, um. Yeah, so uh, we got a lot to talk about and uh, limited time to do it. So I guess there ain't nothing to do but get to it. Here's our talk with Andre LaBelle. to have you on because we talked to Robert not long ago when the first Sky record came out and... I had a great time talking to him about his time, of course, working with Vinny, the guy that we're talking about today, but also featuring songs by your band, The Sky, and you're the drummer for the band, and you guys have just put out a new album called Majestic, and we were listening to it on the way in today. And you'll, It's awesome. And you folks will hear snippets of the songs on the album, and we want you to buy the album after you listen to this interview, because Andre and Robert are, have a really, really good band here, and uh, they're doing it the old-fashioned way. They're getting it out by word of mouth, and we're mm-hmm. here to try to help help with that. Um, I just wanted to give you kudos on this second album, and I'm glad you guys came back to do a second album because we like the first one so much. Hey, thanks a lot. I really appreciate it. I'm grateful for the opportunity to uh, be on the record. I mean, I love the songs. Robert's songwriting is incredible, and it's been a really cool experience. Now, we would we would we be wrong by uh, saying that we heard a bit of Beatles influence in your music? Uh, what is that now? What influence? A Beatles influence. Uh, well, that would that would come from Robert. I mean, yeah. I grew up listening to everybody as a drummer, and Ringo as one. But Robert is really into the, the feel and the character of the way Ringo played, so he schooled me on it. I listened to a lot of Ringo's drumming prior to recording that second record. Right, right on. Yeah, definitely. Some of them songs have a definite like heavy Beatles kind of feel to it. I like that. Oh yeah, I mean, some of the roles I, I listened to certain songs and and tried to to emulate the way he would do the roles, you know, <laughs> Right. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, um, so, and you guys are going to, you, you're just getting ready to announce live dates. Um, what can people expect from that? This tour that is going to be put on, um, the, the dates are going to be on the skyofficial.com sometime in the next few weeks is what Robert was telling me. All right. Well, but keep our eyes open. Yeah. From what I heard, it's going to start in Florida. That's about all I know at this point. Okay. Cool. Ho- hopefully swing up through Nashville. Yeah, I would love to hit Nashville. I've actually yeah. never played Nashville. So oh, really? Great. Oh, cool. Well, yeah, we'd love to have you here. Um, yeah, we'll gather up the decibel geeks around here and all head on down to that show. Yeah. So um, I wanted to uh, get into this, and let's just kind of start from the beginning. You know, we're doing this stuff about Vinny, and then, of course, you know, the uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame just happened with Kiss and everything, and there was a question about, is Vinny going to show up at the induction, which he didn't, which I think most of us figured he wouldn't. Yeah, no, um, I don't think so. But uh, how, did you end up, how did you first meet him? I moved from Virginia to Los Angeles in, uh, what was it, 89, and uh, I was out there just doing the typical auditions and whatnot. I ended up playing with a guy named Michael Marnarch, who is the guitarist from Steppenwolf. Oh, right. And um, I recorded some demos with him. He was friends with uh, Vinny and the engineer and referred me to him, and I just got a phone call from Vinny one day saying that um, he was looking for uh, a drummer and wanted me to come down and audition. And you, you grew up a Kiss fan, didn't you? Oh, definitely, yeah. I mean, it's, the reason I started playing drums was 
because of Kiss. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Hands down, you know. Um, I was like 10 years old in 76, and, you know, Kiss was just huge at that point. Interesting. So, so to be a big Kiss fan, you know, and to get invited by Vinnie Vincent to audition, that's got to be kind of a cool trip, huh? Yeah, it was, it was really just serendipitous. It was bizarre because when I moved out there, I was, I'm older. I'm in my 20s. And I wasn't pursuing anything involved with Kiss. I wasn't trying to get involved with, with anybody that had played with Kiss. Right. And for that to happen was really bizarre. Um, also, because I went to see a, a Kiss concert with Vinny playing guitar, and Eric Carr was drumming. Yeah. And um, at that time, at the concert, I had um, it, I was just really taken by the concert. And it's hard to explain, but it meant a lot to me to see that concert when I was young and for, for Vinny to end up calling me after moving to Los Angeles was, was pretty strange. I thought the connection was kind of weird. Yeah. And you mentioned you met him through an engineer. Did, do you remember what the engineer's name was for that? Yeah. It's Rick Barcelona. Okay. Yeah, terrific engineer at a studio called Grandmaster. Yeah. In, uh, Hollywood. Yeah. We were watching a little bit of, there's like a small video snippet from the recording sessions um, from that studio, I don't know if you've seen it on YouTube. It's got you in it playing, doing like some drum warm up stuff, but it's only like a- yeah, I have seen that. Yeah, that's I was playing all twenty six inch kick drums. Vinny wanted me to use twenty sixes, and as any drummers out there would know this, that you know I'm only like five five, and I don't like to tilt my toms. Yeah. Um, the angle of where the toms would be above the bass drums, so he wanted me to use twenty six kicks. And toms that were real deep, and I didn't want to like rebuttal it, so I was just like, okay, I'll do it. But I could barely reach the tom toms. Video kind of weird. <laughs> so, um, hey, so you, this was when you met Robert. Was when Vinny brought you in to work on this project. Yeah, what's an That's audition process like? Yeah, that was it for Vinny Vincent. What what is the audition process like for something like that? Well, you know, I went in there and set up my kid in the studio. And uh, then he comes in and talks a bit and whatnot. <clears throat> Sets in a, he puts a chair right in front of the drum set and had me play a drum solo, mm-hmm. which was kind of crazy. And, um, wow. and then he would ask me different questions about, can you play a beat that has this kind of a time signature? And just, I, I guess kind of challenging my abilities as a drummer. And that's the, the way it went down. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. after that, he has me um, come back to the studio and... At, at this point, I walk into the to the um, drum room, and there's like eight drum sets in there, one of which was from Carmine Apiece because he used to play with Carmine. Oh, yeah. And it's just drums everywhere, boxes of drums from drum companies like Ludwig that hadn't, hadn't even been opened yet. And he had me go through all these drums with somebody helping me set them up and creating like Frankenstein kits with, um, say, like Slingerland toms and Sonar kick drums and Yamaha floor toms and all this stuff. And... uh I had a blast with it. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Like a playland for a drummer. Yeah, it was it was a good time, definitely. And I never really had any problems with him. I mean, but then again, you know, I was new recording with, with people that had that kind of success and, and backing. So mm-hmm. I wasn't going to complain. You know, right. so it's kind of hard to have troubles with people if you're, if you're just going to be you know, cool about it anyway. So Right. <laughs> So are you setting up your drums to Vinny's specifications, or are you guys just experimenting around with them? Well, no, I set them up to where I'm comfortable. I mean, I'm sure you know that, but as far as the sizes and, and the amount of drums, it was up to Vinny. 
Yeah. So I ended up having to having to try to figure out a way to set set the kid up to where I could play them and be comfortable, which the, the kick drums were a problem because they were way too big. But he wanted he was trying to get a bottom sound. Rick Barcelona, that engineer, had worked with uh, people from Zeppelin. I think the Coda album. I think he hmm. did assistant engineering or something on. So he was in there trying to get the the kick drum to sound like John Bonham putting aluminum foil in it and all kinds of stuff that they had used as techniques in the studio when he did that coat of them. I've never seen anybody do that before. Well, and there was, you know, I remember I've I've heard interviews with Bobby Rock who played in the Invasion um, before you worked with him. And, you know, he was... I'm friends with Bobby as well. He's an incredible drummer. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Great guy. <clears throat> and he's uh, he'd mentioned you know kind of ridiculous amounts of takes that he would have to do on on drum parts and having to double them. I mean, do you recall being worked very hard during these sessions? Yeah, well, he was he was doing everything by punching it in. Um, not only the drums, but the guitar. When he did his guitar solos, he would um, he had this like punch pedal that he created, where he could punch himself in and out without the assistance of an engineer, and he would set behind the control board. Well, the guitar is out in um, another room. I mean, he had walls of guitar amps. It was unbelievable how many amps that he used. I, I'm not really sure why he went that direction with it, but it was like 15 cabinets or something set up with mics in a room, and then he would set behind the control board with this punch pedal. And the guitar solos, I mean, if he could punch in a 30-second note, he probably would have done it. <laughs> wow. You know, um, it was just like every little nuance was being punched in you know one one bend of the guitar solo might have been a punch so when you hear his guitar solos it, it's probably 20 different punches wow can you imagine having to go back after that and learn how to play that you know after you've yeah, and through it, and done all that the I little know. teeny nuances and everything in there yeah, and then, he, he was able to do it though i mean yeah he and every every record i've recorded the guitar players punch in and out like that but he right. definitely went overboard with it right now, when, what and was the drums were being done the same way, in, in, in a lesser way. But he would talk to me uh, during the recording. I might get through just the beginning of the verse, and then he would stop and start talking to me through the, the, the headphones Yeah. and talk about the next part coming up and then punch me in, and I'd continue with the song. Wow, so, wow. so there's not, there wasn't a whole lot of, let's just jam and then we'll get it on tape and then we'll redo things. Not at all. I never even played with any. Really? Wow. It was all just recording to tracks that he had already recorded. <clears throat> yeah. Did he ever explain why he took that approach? Because it's different than a lot of rock guys. Um, no, he never really did. But um, I know I know that most bands, I mean, they will punch in and out. That's, yeah, for that's sure. That's a given. Guitar players have been doing that forever. Yeah, there's stories um, of Ace Frehley doing that on the first Kiss albums. Oh, certainly. I mean, everybody does it. I just think it's it's, it's Vinny's personality. You know, he's an extremist. Yeah. So when you first heard this material, I mean, what 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 what, what how did you feel about the material you were hearing when, and working on? Um, you know, I I was older. I mean, I was in my mid twenties, so I was more into Led Zeppelin. I, I liked the Rolling Stones and Deep Purple and stuff like that. So. Um, I kind of felt some of the stuff was a, a bit cheesy, you know. I mean, but that's what that era was doing. Yeah. It was all, the songs were written about just the decadence of what was happening during that time. But uh, I mean, I, I think the guy's an amazing guitar player. I mean, it's hands down, he's he's unbelievable. 
But um, that's the songwriting. Is that style of uh, of music is really not my cup of tea. I'm I'm more into, I guess, the stuff from the early '70s. Right. Yeah. So that's a whole different approach then to like if say you're into Kiss and Zeppelin and stuff, and these are simple, you know, forward rock tunes. And then to go into Vinnie Vincent, and he's like micromanaging every note on every song. You know, it's yeah. that's got to take some of the magic away from like a songwriting process. I would think. You know, it, the organics of writing a song, you know, kind of goes by the wayside when you're micromanaging and overpicking everything. You know what I mean? Positively, yeah. yeah. I yeah. think that's also the reason why a lot of the records from the early '70s or even the late '60s had the magic that you're talking about because they were in there just feeling it and recording the record. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, and they do some punches, but they weren't, they weren't taking advantage of the technology like bands do today. And, uh, hopefully it doesn't get worse because it's that organic vibe, the feeling of the musician is being lost. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and so you know, the, this yeah. too much accuracy. <laughs> right. And you know, uh, there's, so basically this, this project that was being worked on at the time, was going to be an album. Well, it was. It's been talked about that the album was called "Guitars from Hell," um, and the, but there's also some. I uh, solicited some questions from uh, Vinnie Vincent diehard fans, and they wanted to know because I went to write to the source for the best questions that, of people that could ask you these things. Um, one of the things, one of the rumors that's gone around was that, as you were, as you, I'm sure you know, Vinnie was also writing with Paul and Gene around this time, and. There's a rumor that he was telling them that he was initially going to call this album Revenge, and then Kiss took that idea or asked him for that idea. Do you recall this story, or do you remember the word Revenge being bantied about as a possible album title? Yeah, that's that's exactly what happened. Uh, oh. I think I might have been the one who put that out there. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah, he, he was going to call the record Revenge, and he was recording with Gene and Paul while we were doing the drum tracks. Mm-hmm. And he had told me at the studio that you know, I'm going to change the title because Gene and Paul liked that title and they're going to use it for the record that I'm writing on. And I was like, okay, that's cool. You know? And then he's looking for new names. Uh, Guitar Armageddon was one. Mm-hmm. Um, he actually had like this big poster board thing that he brought in with an idea for the album cover for that title. Oh, and really? uh, then Guitars from Hell was another idea, and you know, but the record never got released, so all right. of that just kind of fell to the Those side. Those are all really cool album titles. Yeah, I like them all. Are they well, was was he pissed off at Paul and Gene for taking that title, or was he okay with it? He was okay with it. Oh. Yeah, it was like no big deal. Okay, so he wasn't sore yeah. saying those guys are stealing my idea or anything like that. No, not at all. I'm not sure how it how it came about but no he just came in the studio and just had mentioned it you know so we're going to use a different title i have a title i'm thinking of guitar mcgotten and just went on with it well since no, you no that was, that was cool. since you were a witness to that time while he was coming into the studio while he was working with them do you remember any like details about what went down that caused things to go south with him and working with gene and paul on that album you know i never brought it up man yeah. and uh, he never mentioned it um we talked about kiss a little bit uh, because I'm a Kiss fan, and once I got comfortable working with him, well, I started asking questions about his time with Kiss, but it didn't really seem like he wanted to talk about it a lot. Right. He would barbecue at the studio, um, like grilling chicken and whatnot, and one time he had like four pieces of chicken on the grill, and these flames were shooting up, and I was jokingly saying, you wanted the best chicken in the world, and you got it. And he <laughs> laughed his ass off. He was just like in tears over that with <laughs> the chicken. You know. <laughs> <laughs> but, 
but we weird. never really talked serious about Kiss. Right. He was in any way. I don't think he really. Uh, maybe he, you know, just didn't want to mm-hmm. get into the details of it. And I certainly wasn't going to ask him any any questions that would be of malice. And you know, yeah. I mean, in reality, you can look at the history of. I mean, Jimi Hendrix died of, of a drug overdose. I mean, that's correct, right? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's the rock industry as far as, I mean, there's a lot of crazy stuff that, that goes down. And when, especially when it has as much money involved as, as Kiss had behind it, I mean, there's there's always going to be crazy things that, that are going to happen. And, mm-hmm. I mean, Britney Spears shaved her head at one point. I mean, you get my, you get my point. Well, yeah, so. I mean, musicians aren't always known as being the most stable of people, you know, to begin with, yeah. before they get all the money, <laughs> you know? No offense, Andre. Right. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying in Vinny's support that, He you knows know, what we mean. I mean, there's stuff that happens with relationships. I, I don't know all the details of what happened with Vinny. And kiss, but uh, I mean, it's out there for you, for you to read. And yeah, sure. you know, Rolling Stone just—I just did that thing with Rolling Stone. Mm-hmm. Eric Singer hooked me up with that actually, because he and I became friends when when I lived in Los Angeles. He put an ad in Music Connection magazine that he was doing private drum lessons, and I always loved the guys playing. So I called the ad and got a lesson from him. Oh, and, uh, really? He had cool. me going on his drum room and warm up. And, uh, and then afterwards, you walked in and said, okay, well, it doesn't sound like you're really here for a drum lesson, so <laughs> what can I help you with? And we sat down and just started talking about the music business, and he gave me just incredible advice on, on the industry and how it works and, and basically gave me a lesson on the music industry, and we became friends. And, and um, he um, talked to the editor of Rolling, Rolling Well, no, Rolling Stone was contacting him about – people that worked with Vinnie Vincent for the right. Rolling Stone um, interview, and he had them contact me, which I thought was super cool. The guy is a terrific person. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Eric Singer's awesome. Well, and that leads me to my next question, because you know, one of the fans had uh, said to ask you about your links to possibly joining KISS and yeah, that you, you were in the running this. with Eric to possibly... No, that, that's, you know, that is like such a... I mean, it's, it's funny how things get blown out of proportion. <laughs> um you know, that never, it was never really anything where they were going to hire me to play with Kiss. I, I had um, had lunch with Simmons one time, like in, in 2006, 2007, and he had mentioned that they had considered me, oh. but um, felt that my stature wouldn't fit their image. Um, now, I'm 5'5", I'm five five. I mean, I think Eric's 5'6", you know. Yeah, I was going to say, Eric's so about I, the same height, isn't he? Yeah, <laughs> yeah and he's a little bit tall, but he's, he's you know... Um, broader guy i'm real skinny mm. and um so i was jokingly saying to simmons that i could be like weasel boy or something <laughs> weasel boy <laughs> but i mean oh, that's man. all it was just the demon the star child the lunch, space you know? ace and the weasel boy the star child the demon the space ace and the weasel boy i thought a weasel boy would be really cool i think a lot of fans you know, should look into that and maybe try to make that happen. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm, I'm interested in seeing what the makeup design was. Like. Yeah. <laughs> Listen to the Decibel Geek podcast on your iPhone, Android phone, BlackBerry, and WebOS phones with Stitcher. 
Stitcher's Smart Radio for your phone. Find it in your app store or at stitcher.com. Stitcher Smart Radio, the smarter way to listen to radio. Hi, this is Mr. Blackwell, and the only time I am feeling well is when I'm listening to the Decibel Geek Podcast. So, so back Funny. to the the project. So, and he, well, you also mentioned Guitar Mageddon. He brought in a poster board of artwork. What what was the artwork like? It's I think it's out there. Oh, is it the, with the, the, the giant internet. the mushroom yeah, it cloud? Was, it has uh, his guitars, two of them or something, with cross necks, and I can't remember exactly. Mm-hmm. It looks yeah, really cool. like a big explosion in the background. I think I've seen something like that. Um, well, and I was told to ask you that uh, there's some unheard Guitars from Hell songs like Cock Teaser, Ride the Serpent, and Brainsaw. Do you remember classic, these songs? Classic titles. Yeah, I recorded on those songs, but the recordings, he he was messing with them so much. And then when the label messed up, the contract he had with that went south. And um, I think he got into like trying to re-record everything using drum machines and just went down, you know, excessive um, destruction avenue, I guess, you know, I don't know. Well, I, I mean, can see that's so what seems to have happened. Somebody so, that has... There is some bootlegs out there of me playing on um, on the songs that you guys mentioned. But um, some of the tracks that you hear out there are drum machine where he changed everything. It seems to me it's almost like if you've got somebody that's so, you know, super sensitive to each individual note and has the access to the technology that was available at that time and even now where you can sit down in a dark room somewhere and lose years of your life trying to perfect an album, you know, that it would never in your own mind ever be perfect if that's your mentality. It's a blessing and a curse. Yeah. You know, I've worked with a lot of people that, that have been that way, and it really is a blessing and a curse. Um, I mean, you can see how that would work. That um, You need to know when to say when, but having that kind of mindset is, is how he became so good at guitar. Yeah. I can imagine when he was younger, he was never satisfied with his playing, and that's why he was he was constantly fighting to try to get better. And people that do that become really good. Yeah. So, um, so it's basically so he and he did did he record all the bass on that? I mean, was there no there was no bass player hanging around? Yeah, he did all the all the bass work. Okay. And I had a friend, uh, a guy named Greg Jones from Virginia, fly out to uh, Virginia to, to check out, and uh, he decided not to to use him. Mm-hmm. Which was unfortunate because a great bass player, right? And um, but he did all all the recordings himself. Did uh, so it was it was just me, Robert, and Vinny. That's that, that was the whole project. And how were you guys getting along while this stuff was being made? I I had no problems. I was too busy in in the room with all those drum sets. You know, I was goofing <laughs> <laughs> around with all the different drums. Right. Um. You know, I mean, Robert and Vinny, they they had a much deeper relationship and. You know, with the Mark Slaughter thing, where he was lip-syncing on Robert's vocals for the first record, the first video, and all of that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I just kind of stayed out of it, you know. Right. So Robert was already there by the time you came into the project? Yeah. Yeah, he okay. was already there, but he hadn't done his vocals yet. I was there when he did his vocals. Yeah. That was fun. That was cool. I sat behind the board um, while Vinny was um, doing the tracks with uh, Robert. That was really neat. 
Well, I mean, he was nailing it. That stuff you hear Robert doing, he was just nailing it. Oh, it's it's incredible the what what that guy can do. Yeah, with his he's voice. an amazing singer. So, yeah. So if Vinny micromanages all the little notes on every single thing, how is he with Robert when Robert's singing? Is he cutting them? Is he or is he just letting them rip? Um, he would try, but Robert wouldn't put up with it. <laughs> that sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, after what we talked when we talked to Robert about it, it sounded like they they butted heads a little bit during the process of this one. But um, yeah, yeah. So it said, did um, but and you know, you know, as you know, the the contract situation with it, it was Enigma, wasn't it that that he was with? Yeah, it was Enigma. And um, yeah, this all sounds real serious. The band is together. They're writing music. Albums coming out. It sounds like there's thoughts of touring and everything. I mean, where does this all go? Yeah. So the 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 contract falls through, or or did the company fold, or or what happened? Um, it had something to do with um, Enigma. Um, I, I, I mean, I don't know for sure, but my best guess would be that Vinny was, had used up all the budget from Enigma because he was being so um, over the top with the production and what he was trying to do. I mean, mm-hmm. we were in, in numerous studios, like I think possibly five different recording studios over the course of like a year and a half or something. Wow. Wow. See, I could see a record and, uh, company being So he burned that through all that money. Huge. And uh, Hollywood Records was interested in picking him up, so he tried to get out of his contract with Enigma. But doing that, they um, took the record and shelved it. Mm. So he, that's what happened. I'm, I'm guessing. And well, and do you, well, do you remember how many songs you did on this record? It was about thirteen. Yeah. Wow. Well, and only a handful of them have have actually come out. Do you still you still have tapes of this stuff? Uh, I never got any tapes. Oh, really? uh, he wouldn't even let me take any. Uh, tapes out of the studio to learn the song wow wow he was worried about a leak or something i don't know what it was he just didn't want anything leaving the studio and um the stuff that that i, I played on i would learn it in the studio it was just and we were punching in and out anyway right i've uh, i've recorded other records like that so I, I just did a record with um with bill leverty of of the group firehouse i did two records with him the solo record drive and uh, a record uh, with Jimmy Coons on vocals called Flood the Engine. Hmm. Oh, okay. With uh, Keith Horn on bass, an amazing bass player. And um, we we recorded that record this, the same way, not with all the, the ridiculousness, but we we never rehearsed. Uh, the songs were written in the studio, and I would just get behind the drums and, and find my place just on off the cuff and keep what was good and throw away what was bad. Yeah. So, did you view this as like a real band situation, or did it feel like more like it was a paycheck situation? Um, a bit of both. You know, um, I mean, I would hang with Vinny. I'd go over to his house and have dinner. Bobby Rock actually came over with the Nelson uh, twins from uh, the group Nelson. You remember them? Oh yeah. Geese, the kids. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Bobby was playing with them, and Vinny had a like an Easter dinner at his house, and. My wife and I went, and Bobby was there, and and we would hang out, and you know, I mean, it was it was cool. It was never, I mean, Bobby it seemed to still be good with Vinny. It was, it's like you know, just crazy things I guess happen, and people just forget about it. I mean, look at all of what happened with Vinny with Kiss, mm-hmm. and then he ended up recording or writing with them again during that Revenge album. Right. You know? Sometimes you I'm know, guessing, you know, people in the business like that, they're, they're used to the craziness, I guess. I yeah, know. and sometimes talent, you know, you say, "Man, I don't know if we want to bring him in. He's kind of a pain in the ass." Man, he's so good at writing songs, and he's such a good guitar player. Like, yeah, I guess so. You know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, talent overrides sometimes. Yeah. 
Yeah. Did um, well. Did this? The, did the project get far along to where touring stuff got discussed? Uh, yeah, he was even discussing uh, the video and all of that. It was it was really disheartening that the record didn't come out. It really was, especially for me because I was new out there, and it was the first. Uh, major label thing I was involved with, with with somebody with with that legacy yeah did you guys and, ever um, get to the point where you're uh running through the songs complete to get ready to tour not at all no, no it was all just the recording far. process yeah so um well but I guess so I guess that so you're excited and then all of a sudden you did did Vinny break the news that the that it wasn't coming out you know it's it just kind of slowly unfolded it it, it wasn't it was almost as if like uh, we spoke on the phone. He told me that um, there's going to be some changes in the label, and we're waiting for that to happen. And uh, I've got some things to take care of. And, and then weeks went by, and I started recording with other people. Yeah. And um, it just kind of faded away. And at one point, I felt like, well, I'm not going to call him. There's no reason to. I mean, he knows what he's doing with it, and he'll call me if if he feels necessary. I mean, and he, it's just kind of faded away. Right. And was so during that recording period, that was the last time you got to speak to Vinny about any of this? That was it. That was the last time. But, you know, through playing with Vinny, it's, it's, it just fans are like Star Trek fans. You know, I, I was really fortunate for that. I've talked to my, um, my brother about this, that, you know, if, I, if this had happened with, um, with another band, it, I probably wouldn't be on the phone talking to you guys about it right now. But Kiss is, I mean, it's it's legendary what they accomplished and yeah. what they created and the fans are just man it's just they'll never let go of it which <laughs> is beautiful you know the, i mean i have to add to that that you know my name got on the kiss family tree on on the inside sleeve of kiss a lot three i remember and that. i didn't even i didn't even know about it a friend of mine called me up and told me so I mean, I lucked out on that because wow. the album that I recorded didn't get released, right. and Bobby Rock is the guy that was on the records, and but they still brought it down to where I did that record that in on uh, '91 or whatever, and all. Uh, yeah, that's I put awesome. my name on it, man. That was I'm a Kiss fan, so that was awesome. Honestly, I loved yeah, it. Yeah, that yeah, that had to have been a thrill of a lifetime, huh? Yeah, that was really cool. So very cool, you know. And then a few years later, he ends up putting out that Euphoria EP, but it was with those tracks that you mentioned where he had replaced you with a drum machine. Did, uh, yeah, what I mean, he re-recorded everything. He probably just went crazy with it for years, you know, and, and then that was the result. So we're, what was your feelings when you found that out? Oh, it sucked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess how else are you going to But, I mean, it, it is what it is, you know, at that point. Yeah. Well, it, you, it really didn't matter, you know. You don't have to pay at drum machine. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the whole drum machine thing is really is, is strange because... With with musical instruments, I don't know whether a lot of people realize this, but when we we all communicate with the same words that we're speaking in this language, but everybody has their own character and spirit to, to the way they talk. Sure. I mean, a good analogy of actors like Clint Eastwood, I can say the line that Clint Eastwood says, but I can't say it like Clint Eastwood. Right. And when when you're playing through an instrument, that's your spirit of who you are comes through that instrument. And that's what I think people find fascinating about Jimi Hendrix and John Bonham and these players. Yeah. It's the way they spoke that made it so powerful. So when you use a drum machine, it's like it would be as if you guys are doing this interview with me, but it's like automated voices. Right. Or if we were doing this interview and none of us had souls. <laughs> exactly. Right. <laughs> you know. So, I mean, and I'm seriously, you know, 
that's something that I think is a huge problem with music today because all the most popular songs that are out there are done with drum machines, yeah. all the new pop stuff. Yeah, the human element is seems to be going away in music, which is really right. that, oh god, yeah, which is what made made it great to begin with, wasn't exactly, it? Exactly, <laughs> yeah. So um, that's like you know some guitarists. You, all you need to hear is a couple of notes, and you know who it is. You know, even that's like, right. Singers, you know, you hear it, you know who it is. Even you can do it with drummers sometimes. You know, if there if there's some Molly Crew song I never heard before, I could probably tell that's got to be Tommy Lee. You know, there's just certain guys that have Bottom or, have yeah. such a good accent to what they're doing. Everybody's playing the drums, but like like. You know, Andre said you get your own accent to your own style, and that's what gives it life. You know, and you combine these instruments that are full of, you know, they're they're musicians and artists, and they're full of life, and they pump that into that song. Then you got something beautiful, not something that just came out of a cookie cutter machine at the end of a computer. Right. No thanks. Yeah. Man, beautifully said. That's yeah. why. That's, that's why I think I like it. that Sky CD so much. Want to be a member of the Decibel Geek Army? You slimy scumbag, get on your face and give me 25. Join us on our fan page at facebook.com slash decibelgeek. Got a question, comment, request, or legal threat? Call us on our voicemail hotline at 540-DB-GEEK-1. That's 540-324-3351. have a real organic quality to your sound i can tell you guys got in the same room and and just hashed it out and worked out the songs yeah man um the first record we recorded the whole thing live it was i mean there was no punching or anything at all played the song and recorded it and then i mean uh robert would go back and touch up some vocal parts and the guitar players would punch in some guitar solo parts but other than that it was completely live and uh, the second record was done the same way, but just a little bit more punching and, mm-hmm. and editing. And, yeah, I mean, I think that I like that the way. way of recording. That's the way to do so, it. So Robert didn't want to pull a prank on you and make you punch in for every beat and then just say it's for old time's sake? There's a rumor that all of those tracks were replaced with a drum machine. <laughs> oh man. So um yeah, so you know, we talked to Robert about all this and you know, he had his own, you know, slant on what happened with that project and the other ones. Um so I don't know, what what are your thoughts on everything that's gone down with Vinny over the last few years? I don't know what, what the hell the guy's doing. You know, um I mean he's he's got so much talent. I mean, why he couldn't just kind of clean himself off from from the the dirt and just come out and continue playing i i really don't know yeah well i mean there's plenty of people out there that have been through just as much crap as he's been through and they still continued you know but he literally vanished it's like he turned into like some like a recluse kind of you know nobody's heard from him yeah and you know, there's there's the rumors that go around that he that he still writes country music under an assumed name, and then 
one of the fans had asked me that said that you had mentioned that you remember him doing country music at a time? Well, yeah, he said that he had recorded tracks, different country tracks in Nashville when uh, before he was with Kiss. He was playing all kinds of stuff. The guy, um, you know, I'd said this before that he had this incredible speed ability on the guitar, mm-hmm. but he was able to play any style of music. He could play stuff like Jeff Beck or or Hendrix with a, the slow type of phrasing with a lot of quarter note and eighth notes, and, and he didn't choose to do that. Uh, I don't really know why, but he definitely had the ability to right. do that. I think I would have rather heard some of that stuff and would be really interested so to hear Vinny, you know, doing mm-hmm. something instead of trying to impress everybody with how fast your fingers are, impress everybody with, you know, your creativity and your own style, you know, play it in a, in a way that, you know, Kiss fans can appreciate because let's face yeah, it. If melodic you, phrasing. Definitely. Yeah. If yeah. Vinny Vincent comes out with a new album tomorrow, who's buying it? The Kiss fans, you know, and, and not too many others, you know, sadly, but that's the way it is. Yeah. it's And one, he could have been one of those you know, guitar idols, in my opinion, like yeah. Satriani or Vi, if he had if he had kept going. But right. um, um, no, I just I didn't know if did you get to hear any of that country stuff he was doing? No, I never heard any of it. Maybe that's but, why um, he moved to Nashville. Hopefully he'll hear this and put a record out like that. That's what I think he should do. We've been clamoring for a long time. You know, everybody here on the Decibel Geek podcast knows we got this long-running thing with Vinny, but it's always just to encourage him to come out with new music because, hey, we want to hear it, you know? Yeah, Britney survived shaving her head. That's the reason <laughs> Vinny can't come back out. Right. That's true. Although I don't, rem- I don't, I don't remember uh, Britney, you know, painting an onk on her face or anything else, though. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like oh, to see it though, but um, and I, somebody asked me to ask you about a tribute CD. Did you play on a tribute CD for Kiss? Uh, yeah, that was with a, a close friend of mine, Mike Weeks. He was the first guitar player in the sky. Oh, okay. um, Robert actually put the band together with him, and um, we all um, Robert's management flew us to Vegas, and we started the band mm-hmm. with uh, Mike Weeks. And then later, because Mike wasn't able to continue with the band because he. Robert moved to Virginia to record the record, and Mike was unable to do that. So he asked as a as a favor for me to play on this Kiss tribute album with him, and I did that, and he did an incredible job on the song. Oh, that but was... the drums were recorded completely. I rec- he sent me the tracks, yeah. and I took them to... Um, or he sent the tracks digitally to the studio that I was at, and I went in there and recorded it and then sent it back through the Internet mm-hmm. to him. And so the drums got lost a bit, you know, right. in that recording, unfortunately. And that, that was Boys Are Gonna Rock, wasn't it? Yeah, that was the yeah. tune that he did. Yeah, yeah. I heard, I've heard that. And yeah, there's there's even, like, conspiracy. I had, Robert cleared it up, but uh, there was a conspiracy for a while that it was that Mike Weeks didn't really exist, and it was actually Robert. <laughs> I heard that, yeah. Mike <laughs> is an incredible guitar player. That guy's a monster. Yeah. And he sang the thing, But too, the singing, so, yeah. he sounds dead up like Robert on that recording. Yeah, it's crazy. Mike, he's a really cool dude. Yeah, right and that's him playing the guitar on that too. Yeah, that's Mike playing guitar. That's uh, if, nice. if you, know, you he played everything on that, I, and I just played the drums. If but, you yeah. uh, if you ever wanted a Vinnie Vincent like tribute band put together, that's your guy. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, because I I remember yeah. listening to it, going, God, it sounds it sounds just like Robert, and the playing sounds just like Vinnie. It was incredible. So yeah, I think Mike is still. I mean, he's he's still playing. I think he just had a had a kid. But he plays around, and we, you know, all of us, when when we're not recording or if there's if there's no tour going on, then we'll play clubs around town. I do that um, frequently here in Virginia. I play with this band called the Party Crashers with uh, John McLeod, uh, Kevin, Jason Duncan, and Ron Sado on guitar. They do, like, soul stuff and jazz and 
it's a lot of fun. But I think Mike's just kind of doing that in his hometown yeah, and waiting right for on. something good to happen. That's cool. That's why we always like it here in Nashville when everyone's off tour because then we get all kinds of good shows. Right. <laughs> yeah, I bet. I bet there's some great club gigs in Nashville because you got all these these successful musicians just kind of hanging out playing blues in the bars, oh, right? Yeah, yeah, you'll go to a you'll go to just a dive that looks like only homeless people would hang out in and you'll hear some of the best music you've ever heard. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, it's that is amazing. I've seen a, a lot of that. Uh yeah, that's true. I mean, even in Los Angeles, I, I saw people like um, Jakey Lee doing a, he did um, a Leonard Skinner tribute band called uh, Leonard Skinhead, and they would oh, play wow. this club called Ethan Station that was in the Valley. Uh-huh. That was pretty wild, yeah. That's... Actually, there's a story I could tell you about where Eric had invited me to come out to that club, and Gene and Paul were going to be there, and Tommy Thayer was goofing around with this Kiss tribute band. Yeah. With, Jamie on drums they from uh, Black and Blue. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah, I think they were called Cold Gin, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah that was it. And um, I sat between Gene and Paul and watched the show, and, and they were asking me what I thought of Tommy and all of this, and I didn't realize at the time that what they were obviously thinking about him wearing uh, Ace's makeup and they were scouting him doing what they're doing now, but that's that happened like two years before Tommy mm-hmm. even put the makeup on. Yeah. Wow. So yeah. they had been thinking about it for a long time. Yeah. That's pretty cool. <laughs> so, so are you, Wallace, are you still a big Kiss fan to this day? Oh, definitely. I don't. Th- I think if you were a Kiss fan when you were uh, coming up in music, that you, you will always be a Kiss fan. Yeah, I yeah. agree. Yeah. So I guess you're. And, you know, people talk about their image and all of that, of course, but you know, there there are so many deep cuts on those Kiss records that just they're amazing tracks. Yeah. I mean. Some of that stuff like uh, Parasite Lady and uh, Come On and Love Me. and yeah. I love those songs, and I still crank them in the car to this day. Yeah, we do, we do too, believe me. We've done a lot of stuff on KISS. We're big fans. Um, so, uh, yeah, you mentioned at the beginning of the talk you guys are planning out a tour, and uh, I really, really hope you guys can get a Nashville date set because we'd love to see you guys in person. Yeah, and for the people that are out there listening, you know, get on the uh, internet, you know, let people know, let your local clubs know that you want this band to come to your town. That's killer. Thank you, guys. Yeah, and yeah. I, I just have one small request. If you guys do come to Nashville, I want you to play "Shoot You Full of Love." <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Okay. I'd do it. That'd be fantastic. <laughs> or, or I don't I, think Robert would do that. Yeah, you know, no. <laughs> um, <laughs> Rob, I mean, if you if you notice, if you look on the, the back of the first Cindy Vincent record, yeah. it's like all the guys are totally decked out as like glam as you could possibly yeah. get. And then there's and Robert. Robert is <laughs> he, he looks like he's in Asia or something. I mean, he doesn't right. fit whatsoever. Robert later told me that he refused to do, to do the yep. image thing with the makeup and all of that. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he told us that too when we when we interviewed him. And yeah, he said I think his words were that he thought he looked like a dominatrix standing in front of a bunch of prostitutes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. Robert is more like a you know he's got more of a uh, he's not a comic comic book he's a novel right right more of that kind of vibe of what he's doing yeah well i uh i i had fun talking to him and we've had fun talking to you and we're uh we're we thank you for uh being so forthcoming about your time working with Vinny because he's he's an enigma our most popular episodes seem to always be our Vinny vincent episodes love that guy and uh so it's nice to have this piece of the puzzle put in and uh, we appreciate it and we yeah, we hope we awesome. we hope we've turned on some people to the sky today with the little clips we've played in and out of the segments and uh thanks so much for doing this andre hey thank you guys man i've really enjoyed it
man. It's all about supply and demand here on the Decibel Geek Podcast. The fans want it. We have to deliver. How many more Vinnie Vincent specials are we going to do? And I, and, I, and I said in the show notes, I said, sometimes going back on your word is okay. Because, <laughs> you know, some people are like, well, you're doing a Vinnie Vincent show. That means you're having him on. And, well, no. But uh, but we never charged anybody for a Vinnie Vincent no. podcast farewell tour either. We didn't. No. And um, but uh, so yeah, now there will be more in the future. I'm sure. I'm you sure. know, people like him, and he's an interesting person. That's so. that's the thing. You know, we really need to point out here is that you know maybe some people look at the Decibel Geek podcast as all oh, those guys are the ones that get get Vinnie Vincent. That's not true. You know, no. we really do like Vinnie Vincent. We, you know, I got to put him right up there with some of the best players of all time Amazing in my player. opinion. You know, people that I enjoy. You know, talk about full talents brought to the table. You yeah. got to count Vinnie well, Vincent in as one of the best. And I think he's unfairly picked on because of things outside the music business that he that he may have done or been involved in, where people will downgrade his talent because of it. And it's right. like. If you're going to really objectively look at things, you cannot deny the guy's songwriting and playing ability. Right. And when it comes to the uh, the outside stuff, you know, you, it's never too late to change. You know, when Vinnie Vincent recently released those new T-shirts. Yeah, I want to give him credit on that because... You know, you know, everybody, you know, everybody snickered and stuff when the the mention of the T-shirt started going up. And, but you the know, diehards, man, they the, the Vinnie Vincent, the true they, fans, they ordered. They them. ordered them, and he's delivering on and them. He delivered. I'm on seeing, them. I'm seeing pictures pop up online of people getting their shirts. I've yet to hear one person say I paid for it and didn't get it. So, hats off to you, Vinnie Vincent. I, 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 I hope this means that this could lead to new music in the future. That'd be fantastic. So, and boy, would we love to have you on the show to talk all about it. Would it would be great. But, uh, you know, until then, we want to thank Andre for coming on. And uh, him and Robert's band, The Sky, has just released Majestic, their second album. Yeah, please go check that out. You're going to love it. Yeah, go to the, sh- the links in the show notes, and you'll you'll get to check that out and purchase it there because, you know, we've got to support the artists, guys. That's how the, the, how the industry keeps rolling. That's right. And we play all kinds of cool music here on the Decibel Geek Podcast all the time. We always encourage everybody to go to iTunes and buy the music. And the best way to do that is through www.decibelgeek.com. You go to the website, you click on the Amazon link, it takes you to Amazon just like it normally would. It yep. doesn't charge you an extra penny for anything you order, whether it be the Sky CDs or it'd be a car, an airplane, a yacht, whatever you want to order. And we get a little kickback here on the Decibel Geek Podcast. And it helps us because we made a commitment to always keep this show free. And that's what we're going to do. So sometimes it grinds on us a little bit, but we always make it happen with your help. Absolutely. You can donate to us there on the website as well if you want to tip your DJs. Yeah, and you can also order a t-shirt. Order a t-shirt. fulfilling a few of those lately. Awesome. Yeah, so uh, Aaron, it's uh, been fun doing another one of these. It's been fun. We've been banging out some good interviews here lately. I think we should maybe do another one maybe next week. Yeah, I think so. All right, sounds good. We'll see you next week.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.